Welcome to the Breaking the Limit podcast. My name is Kyler. In each episode, I'll bring you an exciting topic or conversation that will inspire you to create your own change and break the limits that are holding you back. Thank you for joining me today. Let's get started. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Breaking the Limit. In this episode, I speak with one of my close friends, Jess. This is the first episode where I've actually interviewed someone and it was such a fun experience. Jess is a trauma-informed life coach, virtual assistant, helping entrepreneurs build and organize their businesses, as well as just an all-around amazing human. In this episode, we chat about inner child healing, what it is and how we do it, attachment styles, what the different types are and how they play a role in our everyday life. And finally, we explore a bit about nutrition and really looking at how we can be more cautious about the foods we are putting into our bodies. Thanks for tuning in. Let's get to the conversation. Inner child stuff. Uh, Tell me about it. I guess I could probably start with like what inner child is. So it's the idea that um, every every part of our life that we've ever been through, it's kind of like bookmarked within our psyche. So if you think about like your inner child could be from the ages from zero to seven. And then from there on, then you have like young adolescents for that time or teenage years, you know, we all have like a different fragment of our soul, of our experience um, during the different periods of our life. So you can be like, oh, my inner 20 year old felt like this when this happened. So the inner child is no different than that in the sense of there's like this inner kid within yourself that has been kind of running, running the reins throughout your entire life up to this point. Because if you think about the subconscious, if you know anything about that is the subconscious runs our everyday life. So that's where our beliefs are. And it runs in an automatic loop in the background in our day-to-day lives. Um, Everything from our unconscious biases to um, the foods that we we select um, to the people that we're attracted to, even right down to, I look ugly and green. You know, it's like all of these different things that we learn between the ages of zero to seven when our brain was forming and creating a perception of the world around us based on what we were being shown and taught during those years during those formative years that's where our inner kid is like running the reins and so um doing those inner healings and leaning into the inner child can kind of give us like an insight as to how we see the world currently especially if we've neglected um working through trauma that we've experienced as a kid. All right. So if someone wanted to do like inner child work, like what, what would that look like? What are some easy things that they could start with? Honestly, some really simple, 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 like day-to-day type of things that you can do to kind of tap into your inner child could be, you know, listening to those inner nudges. Like if you walk by a park and you're like, damn, I really want to go down that slide. And then that, like, then the ego comes forward and it's like, no, you shouldn't do that. No, lean in, go on the slide, see how you feel afterwards, entertain that like playful nudge that really wants you to go forward and do more fun things. Um, Another way to kind of entertain or work through the inner child is honestly journal prompts. You can start with a few questions that you ask yourself every single day and you can do it first thing in the morning and last thing at night or once a day, whatever works for you. Um, the important thing is that when you start working through your inner child stuff is to be very gentle on yourself and to give yourself that compassion that you never received mm. because you're ultimately reparenting yourself. You're showing your child like self, all of the things that you weren't shown as a kid. So it's going to pull up some really uncomfortable emotions or it may pull up some really uncomfortable emotions. So you can start with just taking it slow and um, putting no pressure on the, the daily practices that you want to do. Um, some questions you can ask yourself are like, um, what, is, what is something fun that I can do in this now moment that brings me joy? Um, where in my childhood did I feel like I had to overextend myself in order to feel loved? You know, or 
Um, as a child, I believed that love was blank. As a child, I believed love was, you know, or um, as a child, I believed, you know, money was like this. Like you can do it in different aspects of your life and kind of just allow whatever comes up to come up. It doesn't have to make sense. If it feels forced, just allow it to feel forced in the moment. If you don't feel like anything's coming up, that's totally fine too. Um, but yeah, I think just keeping it very simple and light for the, for people who are trying to just get into it, don't put too much pressure on yourself. Cause I feel like that's where, what got you here in the first place was the pressure to be something that you're not. I've done like a little bit of like inner child stuff. Like I've written a letter to, to little Kyler and stuff, letting him know that like he's safe and it's okay to like feel certain ways. Um, and it was actually really emotional. Like I got super emotional. I cried, like writing this letter. It was just so sad to like, think of little me, um, being upset about things that happened to me in my childhood and how they like still affect me today, you know? And like one of the biggest things for me when I was younger was, um, I remember, I think I was in grade like three and I, I, our teacher let us write, um, what we were just having like free time in the class. We could write on the chalkboard, whatever we wanted. Right. And people were drawing pictures and I wrote so little like eight-year-old or nine-year-old me, whatever wrote, like for whatever reason I wrote on the chalkboard, I'm a loser. And there was people in the class that were like, yeah, that's right. You are. And I don't know why they said that. Oh my God. Something that's still like affects me today. The fear of being seen, I feel like is like one of the biggest inner kid woundings is the fear of like truly being seen or being misunderstood yeah being misunderstood is a big one for me as well yeah Um, yeah I could only imagine because of like growing up in the wrong gender identity and feeling like you had to force uh, a version of yourself that wasn't you because the world basically told you, well, because you have this, you have to be this. Yeah, it's a lot of like unlearning now and relearning of how to be actually be me and not not this person that I was planning to be for for so long, you know, just like a bunch of things like there's definitely a lot of um, inner child stuff that I have explored, but there's also stuff that still I, I've tried to work through, but I haven't um, fully, I guess. Uh, you know, it's a journey. It's not an overnight process. <laughs> you, know, you like yeah. slowly chip away at stuff. You have to think about like for the last 20 something years, 30 years, whatever it is for whoever is going through their, their own inner healing journey. You have to remember that like, it took you this t- amount of time to start looking at yourself. And so you have to like, think about like, okay, it took you that long and every scenario has like multiple viewpoints and different fractals of how it affected you. Mm -hmm. And so we slowly peel back every part of it, one thing at a time. It's not going to be an overnight process, but I mean, I I didn't even know what like inner child stuff was like a a year ago. I'd never even heard the term before. Oh, me neither. Me neither. I was like, like, oh, I'm going to be like this forever. (laughs) Yeah. I was like, no, I'm good. Like, you know, yeah, some stuff happened in my childhood, but I'm good. You know, I guess even people that have like somewhat perfect, you know, childhoods, they still, they, everyone has an inner child, right? Everyone has stuff that they have to heal from, from childhood. They're just, well, yeah. If it's not from their parents, well, I mean, it is going to be from your parents because your inner child is wounded by the things, not only that were um, the things that happened to them, it's the things that did not happen. So it's like you were, I, I, I watched this thing recently about the people have insomnia and if they were told to like go to bed by a certain time as a little kid and then all of a sudden when they're an adult they're having a hard time like going to sleep at night and then you have like a flashback it's like oh it's because my parents would send me to bed but then I'd hear them out there having fun and so then I learned sleep is bad I want to have fun I think and I saw, I saw you don't think like about that. it because it's stored in the unconscious and the subconscious. And so then you're just like, why am I stuck in this loop of feeling like I can't sleep? It's like, well, obviously that affected you because you learned that sleep is bad and, or you interpreted it because you're interpreting the whole worldview from your childlike mind. It's still just trying to like, you know, like you see like a glass of water, this as a kid, you could be like, oh, that's a bottle of pop. You know, like, 
until someone's telling you like, Hey, this is a glass of water. You're forming your own like inner dictionary and inner Google search for the world around you based on kind of how you're taking in information. So if you see your parents fighting, even though they haven't like physically hit you, screamed at you or said anything specifically, you're learning what love looks like between two people that you look up to. And so it's not uncommon to start attracting in relationships that are mirroring basically the dynamics that you learned as a kid. Yeah. Yeah. I guess I've also heard too, that that's why sometimes it's better for parents to actually, you know, like a lot of parents are like, Oh, stay together for the kids. Right. And so they're yeah. trying to force this relationship that isn't working. And then kids are growing up and seeing this and being like, Oh, this is what a relationship is supposed to be like, where, as it would have been better if the parents actually did separate. Right. And then, um, I mean, that's obviously going to affect. And then on the flip end, you know, yeah, I mean, that's obviously growing gonna... up as a kid from a divorced parents at the age of one years old, yeah. I'm used to people leaving. And so then you have the abandonment wound. So ultimately it's like, we can't prevent things from happening to kids but we can help support them, like work through it. And I think that's why a lot of inner kid wounding happens is not so much about the event itself. It's that we weren't taught how to process our emotions as they come up. And so what ends up happening is they get stored in our body. And then if you think about the physical body and you believe in energy, when something traumatic happens, you have the emotions stored in your body. So that emotion gets stored and it affects your energetic field on the outside. What does your energetic field control? Controls your thoughts. And what is what is the dominant thoughts create? Beliefs. And that's what creates your reality based on your current belief system. And so it's not so much about, again, the event that happened. It's the process in which that we didn't process it or that we didn't work through it when it happens so that we can like integrate that lesson instead of allowing it just get stored and stored and stored and get stuck on top of each other because the more that we ignore it it becomes a shadow aspect of ourselves which then comes out when we get triggered so that's the anger that's the anxiety that's the all of the repressed emotions that we weren't ever taught to work through or accept it's stored in that shadow aspect which we can talk about it in another time but like it's like the denied aspects of ourselves. And then, so then you wonder why, you know, oh my God, that person is so childish. We got into a fight and they won't talk to me. It's like, well, maybe when they were a kid, every time they talked back and they were like challenging the authority figure in their life or whatever it is, they were taught to listen to them, be quiet, go to your room. And so they were taught anytime there's confrontation, I have to leave the situation because it is not safe for me to speak my truth. Yeah, that's definitely you know? a big one for me too. I, I don't really, I don't know why, but I, I hate conflict. Like I would much rather lie to someone or um, just shut down rather than actually, you know, have a conflict because I, I hate conflict. It, it's, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know why really where that comes from. No one likes conflict. But- because it means that your ego is triggered. It means that your ego is being challenged. And the last thing that you want is to be wrong. So it's natural for you to like, not like conflict. Not a lot of people like it. And I mean, it's okay to kind of lean into that nudge right now and just be like, okay, I need to step away. But are you stepping away for longer than you need to? Are you avoiding stuff intentionally because you would rather it go away on its own? Mm-hmm because it doesn't really go away. It just ends up coming back into your life in another person or another event or another scenario. And then you're like, Oh, I'm going to run away from this again. Oh, I'm going to, I'm going to chase this person again. You know, it's like, until you stop that pattern from repeating itself, it's just going to keep cycling back. No one likes conflict, but I think just learning how to, how to accept like, okay, I'm feeling really triggered right now. Am I able to be fully present in this conversation without me reacting versus responding? No. Okay. Then I need to step away, come back into myself, allow whatever emotions want to come up and then come back in when I feel a little bit more clear in my energy. And then, then I can talk to them. Then I can be like, okay, this is how I felt when this came up. This is why I need to step away. I want to unravel this and look at this together so that we can resolve it. I just love everything that you have to say. You know that. So 
you're so smart you know so much about all this stuff <laughs> thank you <laughs> a gemini moon is like hey what's up i do want to talk about attachment styles so what are the different attachment styles how do each of the attachment styles show up in in dating um there's actually quite a few different types of attachment styles but i'll just do the three the three top ones so there's the anxious attachment, there's avoidant attachment, and then there's the secure attachment. Secure attachment is the one that we're ultimately trying to work towards having because avoidant or anxious are both on the other ends of polarity. So like secure is kind of in the middle where you can fluctuate from either end, but ultimately in the middle where you're not like basically running away from yourself in order to either run away from a scenario or run away to a scenario and fear that it's going to leave or that you're going to be alone or whatever it is. So the anxious attachment is basically that you're anxious and you feel attached to someone. So if you ever hear the, the lingo codependency, it's where you have one individual and another individual basically trauma bonded with each other. Um, and trauma bonding is like, basically it's forming some sort of traumatic bond with each other um, based on the fact that they both have similar wounding. So it doesn't have to be the same type of wounding, but they both learned as kids, you know, different ways of processing conflict. So when you have that codependent relationship, you end up trauma bonding with your partner. And that's why it's so hard to leave is because you have opposite ends of the energetic dynamics. So you have one person pulling away and another person chasing. And so if you think about it, like you're stuck on a cord and one per the avoidant person has the one side of the cord and then the anxious person has the other side of the cord and the anxious, uh, anxious person's like, I'm coming to you. And they're like pulling the cord alongside to keep going and going. And the avoidant person is just like, how do I get rid of this cord? How do I get rid of it? How do I get rid of it? But then there's also this belief within their mind that if they get rid of the cord, they're alone again. So they don't fully leave the scenario. They're still one little tiny pinky toe stuck in the door but they're ultimately fully out. And then the anxious person is like hurtling their body through the doorway with that one little pinky toe and the avoidant person's getting triggered by them. And the anxious person's getting triggered by the avoidant and they're triggering each other, again, forming that traumatic bond. They're both emotionally unavailable to be fully in because if the person who is anxious in that dynamic were to acknowledge that the other person is pulling away and they're getting triggered by them chasing, they can shift themselves into the secure attachment where they're like, I'm acknowledging that I'm triggering this person by chasing, what can I do differently? Okay, stop chasing, give them all of the space. I will pull back fully, give them all of the space. Then I come back to myself I ground myself in back into my body and I tell myself, okay, this person is triggered by something that I'm doing. They learned this as a kid until they are fully going to be present with me because they're both anxious. It's just anxious attachment is chasing and the avoidant is running away. They're both anxious about something. They're, they're just a different type of style of working through it in order for either of them to shift the dynamic the anxious needs to pull away and secure themselves back into themselves and the avoidant needs to lean in instead of run away that's the only that's the only way that you're gonna be able to like work through that but ultimately those are the attachment styles that kind of like opened up an entire box of like relationship dynamics but um kind of like mixing it in with the inner kid, the inner child. A lot of this was taught by the dynamics within your parents. So you'll notice that your relationships, most of them, you are attracted to the predominant gender specific parental figure that's in your life. So you may notice that your female relationships, whether they're friendships or relationships, they embody a lot of how your mother showed up for yourself. Then on the flip side, if you're attracted to men or male figures, then they can embody 
the father figure type of dynamic that you saw as a, as a parent or as them, as your parent, you'll notice it's not always like exactly. And so that's why it's kind of a mind trickery type of thing. You don't notice it's happening until you're in the middle of it. And then you stop and you reflect and you're like, oh my God, my mom used to do this Mm -hmm. or my dad used to do this. That's the only time where you're going to like be able to just like pause and be like, oh my gosh. But when you're like entering into it, most of the time, you don't even realize you're attracted to your parents or the energy of what your parents showed you until it's shown up and you're in it and you're like, oh my gosh, what is going on? Why am I here? How did I get here? How do we get out of this? How do I stop bringing this back into my life? I don't want to date my emotionally unavailable parent. Yeah. I don't know how I got here, but we're here now. <laughs> we're here now. We're here now. Yeah. We're in it. <laughs> Um, how would a parent or how would a child who has a secure attachment have been raised differently from a a child that has, or from someone who's grown up to be like anxious or avoidant? So ironically enough, they will not, they will very rarely end up in relationships with emotionally unavailable people because they did not leave themselves. So that's, that's where the emotional availability, um, comes up is with either anxious or avoidant, you are leaving yourselves because you don't trust that you can get through it. You don't know how to process whatever emotions coming up. So for a secure attachment, they are sitting in that uncomfortable feeling. It's not that they don't get triggered. We all get triggered by something. We all still experience um, events differently. And the thing is with security attached, a secure attachment is as a kid, they were taught how to process their emotions when things come up and how to effectively and openly communicate when they come up. So if they're feeling, I don't know, triggered or upset by an event that has taken place within a relationship, they can see how the other person is showing up. They can see how they're showing up and just sit in that discomfort, allow whatever wants to come up, come up. And then openly communicate to the other person, hey, when this happened, it made me feel like X, Y, Z. I need this in order to feel safe and secure in this relationship. And right now I'm not feeling secure within this relationship. And if you can't meet these needs, I will need to step away because I deserve more. I deserve to be loved in this now moment. And then on the flip side, as much as you are able to communicate what you need, you are able to receive and honor the other person's communicating their needs. And if you're unable to meet those needs because they kind of counteract or conflict with your your current present needs, like for instance, you're in a relationship with someone who wants to take a job in Atlanta, but you live in Ottawa and, you know, and one person needs you to move there with them in order to make the relationship work, but you are fine doing the long distance. That's in that moment where you honor yourself and the other person's needs. And like, I honor, and I love the fact that you've openly communicated that you need me to move. However, I cannot honor that need for you because I'm not willing to leave my current residence because this is what I need in order to feel happy in my own life. So I'm lovingly releasing you from this partnership Or, you know, are you open to coming here or staying here and sacrificing this job opportunity? But then that's, that's within their own, the other person's inner battle that they have to go with because then they're sacrificing something that they deeply desire. And so then you're not, you're not taking on their stuff as your own. You're allowing them to work through it on their own. All you're expected to do is own your stuff and hold space for the other person when you're in the relationship with them so that they can feel safe in order to show up as who they are and how they're feeling. So that's secure. Anxious avoidant would be like, um, so I kind of want to move to Atlanta, but like, you didn't ask me to like come with you or like to come with me. I'm just not going to talk to you for the next week. And I'm going to make you wonder what you did wrong. And then the anxious is like, hey, what's wrong? I haven't heard from you in a while. What's going on? Why aren't you talking to me? Hello, hello, hello. What's going on? Are we, are we breaking up? Oh my God, you're such an asshole or you're this or that. And they just like get so triggered by the other person pulling back and they're triggering each other because they're both not openly communicating and acknowledging the fact that they're feeling triggered by someone else not doing something versus, you know, I need to move. 
I'm feeling really scared right now about our relationship and a lot of different things in my life. Can you hold space for me right now in this moment? Even, even as uncomfortable as this conversation is going to be because it's challenging our current structure or relationship. And people can be like a combination of both anxious and avoidant. Totally. That's what I mean by like secure. You can shift along the, the line of it all, especially if you have old woundings in that. But it's ultimately the state of consciousness where you bring conscious awareness to your actions and your reactions and your patterns in your day-to-day life and that self-inquiry where you're like, what am I still stuck in? What am I doing that is not honoring all of who I am? Because ultimately, either type of attachment style is you're leaving yourself for another person or you're leaving yourself to avoid an emotion. You're leaving yourself secure is like just being in it in all of the stickiness and all of the grossness and just being there through all of it. That's, Mm -hmm. I guess, kind of the big difference between it all and the sense of like, we're still going to have icky days where we want to run away from all of our problems or chase after it. Like um, for an example, you know, running away from a phone bill that's been chasing you for years, you know, and it's going to go collections or whatever. That's avoidant attachment within like your day-to-day life or avoiding your boss who wants to have a difficult conversation. Then on the flip side, you're worried about your bills. So you're like hustling and you're chasing after different opportunities and you're constantly checking your phone for job postings. And you're just like, oh my gosh, when is it going to come? When's my money going to come? So that's the attachment style of anxiety. And then secure attachment is, holy crap, I am feeling really triggered right now by money on both ends of it. I need more money and I have a bunch of stuff that's like really triggering me right now because I want to run away from it. I'm going to come back to myself and just ground in this moment, allow whatever wants to come up, maybe talk to a friend about what you're going through, have them hold space for you so you can look at, you know, different plans of action and then you can create a plan and then you can also set intentions with the universe, with life itself, with God, source, whatever you believe in and just being in that moment and asking for what you need, and then allowing the universe to send you little nudges like, hey, um, you feel right now inspired to go on Indeed and post, you know, check out this field of work. And then, so then you look at the different job postings and, and then you apply anyways, and you just let go. You just allow it to come to you. You did the creative inspired action and you just, you're gonna let go. You're not gonna chase. So then that's where you're challenging that anxiety thing. And then if you get a, a, a bill in the mail, and you look at it and you sit with all that discomfort and you just sit in it and allow whatever wants to come up, come up. And then you look at it and really start to formulate a plan for it. And then ask the universe again, what you need in order to resolve it. So that's how you can move through these things outside of love in your day-to-day life mm. without being like stuck in the either end. Cause there's still going to be days where you want to run away from your stuff. There's still going to be days where you want to chase after your stuff. That's okay. That's part of your human experience, part of your programming as well. The only thing that's going to change that is sitting in it and feeling it and allowing whatever wants to come up and talking about it. The amount of inner kids that are wounded into silence is unreal. So many, so many of us have like chronic throat infections and weird throat issues and chest issues too. Like if you have asthma or if you get chronic like strep throat or tonsillitis, or you had to get your tonsils removed, or you have like, like allergic reactions that start in the mouth or even your nose, like everything from below your eyes down to your throat, like where your thyroid is. All of that, if you have any issues with any of those body parts from that mapping area, you were likely suppressed into silence, silencing your voice, abandoning your own opinion, people-pleasing programming. Yeah, I mean, I I had asthma when I was a kid. I grew out of it. I don't have it anymore. Um, And there were several years where I would get strep throat two, three times a year for a couple of years in a row there. How about now? Oh, I haven't gotten strep throat in years. And like I said, I grew out of the asthma when I was, I don't know, maybe like a a teenager, like 13, maybe 13, 14. I think, I don't think that was any, maybe, maybe it was related to that, but I think a lot of it was related to the old windows in my bedroom, to be honest. 
That's fair. Yeah, yeah. a lot of us but, have mold poisoning. <laughs> but I was also like a very shy kid. I didn't talk a whole lot. I always like hid behind my mom when people tried to talk to me. And yeah. I, always, I always just let, you know, my mom or my parents talk for me type thing. I still see that showing up actually in my life sometimes. I, come, I always want to like hold back. You, you get know. like really intense flumminess in your throat at all or in your mouth. Like just like weird phlegm that comes up. Yeah, the odd time. So your throat is still imbalanced. It's just, you likely probably smoke marijuana or smoke any type of substance, nicotine or whatever it is. And it actually numbs your connection to your body. And so the phlegm actually comes up when your lungs trying to like work through stuff. So you'll notice that you likely feel like the anxiety in your chest a lot of times versus like right at the pit of your stomach or like, you know, because it's like, your body is telling you where stuck energy is. So that's why like, if you ever feel like that flemminess, think about where that's coming from. It's literally coming from here. It's trying to come up. And especially when you have that phlegm, it's because your your lungs are trying to re-lubricate themselves because it's dry. And your bronchial nodes, if you know anything about the body, it's just like trying to like expand and contract and like allow oxygen to come in and like, and leave if you find that you don't breathe enough in a day and you get really really anxious it's like okay or you yawn even it's like let's get you back to your heart let's get get you back into your body and the the phlegm coming up into your mouth and from your throat or even if you have to clear your throat or you know those are all little signs telling you like hey come back that or if you have like a history of needing braces or having like cavities in your mouth or like tooth issues or you get like a weird like tongue thrush happening or whatever it is or you need your wisdom teeth removed it's all attached to this part of the body or sinus infection you know ear issues they're all connected to your throat <laughs> it's so complex <laughs> I'm like, no, you, you still have some throat stuff that you need to work through. But the more that you challenge yourself to speak up and speak out every time that you want to silence yourself, that's when you kind of break through that pattern of silence. No, no more for me. I will speak out. The body is a very intelligent thing. <laughs> I don't have anything to say to that. It's like, oh. that's new to me too, right? Where it's like, yeah. no, I'm just getting sick. Like I'm, I just have a cold, you know, there's nothing else going on. It's just like oh I have a head cold it's like oh that's yeah. cool I have a head cold, head or like, cold. I have the stomach flu time. or whatever right it's not yeah a lot of people probably don't think those things are related right they're just like oh I, I caught I caught a virus or whatever right well the thing is also if you don't work through your emotions why do we think that the virus has left our body it's just stuck in our body somewhere especially if you're like oh, I have a I have a flu I have a cold it's such a you know, it's such an inconvenience. I have to miss work. And you're just like denying yourself from like even being in that experience and allowing whatever wants to come up, come up, whether it's feeling helpless or sad or scared or just annoyed or angry. We avoid feeling that. And we're just like, oh, let's just go over. And then we throw like pills or, you know, antibiotics or whatever it is at our body. Silence, get rid of that, that fever, get rid of this, get rid of that. And we just like silence, silence, silence. Like what makes us think that it, that's going to, that's going to fix anything that's going on in the body. Mm. The body's telling you that something's off. We now have a virus coming in and being like, Hey, let's bring attention to these different areas of your body. And you could either resist it. And then it gets stuck stored in your liver or your gut stuck to parasites in your gut flora, or on the flip end, you be in it and you allow it to just flow out and just be in it like emotions. I don't see any difference between us getting sick and us feeling triggered. It's all the same. It's just once an external factor that brings it into a physical in life perspective. And then another one's an emotional type of experience that also affects our physical body too. Yeah. So you think like just taking medication and stuff like that, that, you know, if we, if we get sick and we take like a, um, like an antibiotic, whatever, that it's just masking it until it comes back up again type thing. Is that, is that also maybe possible? This is where it's a little bit more complex because everyone has their own set of beliefs. So I don't want to project uh, my own set of beliefs, mm -hmm. but at the same time, I don't think that we as a society should be resorting to these quick fixes so quickly 
Because if we think about us getting sick, what is the first thing you want to do? Okay, I want to go to the store and get some cold syrup so that this can go away. You're just like not sitting with it, right? Like we're just like, what's a quick fix to get through this and get it over with? Without even thinking about, because if you look at all of the medications out there, what are all of these lists of side effects? Side effects are common. They're not normal. Side effects are our body telling us, hey, can you get this out of me right now? This is fucking gross. This is, this is so not what I want to be in right now. They're just like, it's trying to tell you something, but we're, we've been taught to abandon those inner nudges and just go with it. We're like, okay, that's fine. And if you've ever looked at the ingredients for a lot of these different medications, they have heavy metals in them. They have different uh, preservatives in them. They have, for some medications, they, they can have, you know, carcinogenic triggering things. So it's, it's, it's harmful to the body to be constantly just trying to silence it every time that there's some inconvenience that comes up i.e. a flu or a cold or whatever it is versus what do I intuitively feel like I need to lean towards because you feel guided to different things feel guided to different things so you know if you ever feel like I just really want a glass of water right now okay go get a glass of water I actually really want to have a burger right now okay so you probably are low in iron and your body's craving something with some nutrients in it or you know what I really want to have chocolate okay so Chocolate has some anti uh, antioxidant properties in it. If you get the dark chocolate, or if you're craving sugar, you know that that sugar nutrient type of thing, then your glucose is low, and you're trying to lean towards something a little bit more sweet to raise your sugar levels. So it's like your body already knows how to kind of navigate what it is, but we get we second guess it, we challenge it, we throw things at it, we silence it do all these different things instead of just following that natural instinct that we have within ourselves. So circling back to, you know, when we get a cold and medications available, I don't think it's wrong for us to lean towards it. If you, you feel guided to it, especially if it's getting really bad and you're really scary about getting really, really sick, but you also have to think about the after effects of it. Okay. Well, if you take an antibiotic, your gut flora is going to be thrown off. So what are you going to do to reestablish it? The issue is a lot of us don't even actually do anything about it. We just are like, okay, it fixed everything. I can go back to my nine to five job. And in three months from now, I'll get another infection because yeah. the infection didn't go away. It stayed in your body. It just got diluted and, and shifted somewhere else. Cause I kind of visualize like medication kind of like, like when you, <laughs> When you do like those dry erase boards, you know, and you have like those like uh, dry erase markers and you draw on the bar uh, on the board itself mm-hmm. and then you wipe it away, but there's still like a stain on the, on the board. That's kind yeah. of how yeah. I see like taking medication. It's like, sure. It diluted something that came up, but it's not fixing the issue. The reason why we get sick, the reason why we have different things come up is because we're not working through something and something's stored in our body and it's trying to bring awareness there naturally if you think about the virus that's been going around right now it affects the lungs what is connected to the lungs well the lung is in our heart chakra area our heart center well it's affecting our life force because we're we've been taught to abandon ourselves as a society so naturally we're like okay i'm gonna abandon myself oh wait I got the virus and then you're stuck to stay at home and you're, you're forced to go in and look at everything and surrender at the most extreme level, you know? So, I mean, not everyone's going to believe the same thing that I do. That's kind of where my viewpoint is when it comes to taking medication. It's not anti it. It's just, what are you going to do after you're done it? Are you going to clear that from your body still? Because it didn't get rid of it. It's still there. Now you have to find another plan of action to rebalance everything now that you've thrown something really intense at it. (laughs) So what are some ways that people can do? I've never, uh, personally, I've never done any sort of cleansing. I know that people do, like you said, like heavy metal cleansing and and, (laughs) stuff. I don't even know what that, that's way above (laughs) me. Like, I don't even know what that means. So what are some ways that people can do a cleanse if they wanted to, to do that? So there's a variety of different things. A lot of the cleansing and stuff, I would recommend talking to someone that specializes in holistic nutrition so that they can go through all of your levels. 
because when you cleanse your body of like really intense things, naturally you're going to have like detox symptoms. And sometimes your levels in minerals and vitamins can drop and it can actually have some severe um, risks to it. So like I was saying about, you know, medications can have risks to it. So can the natural aspects. So you have to be very conscious and have intentions with, um, intentions and plans for all that you do when it comes to your body and making sure that you're not trying to rush through something, because again, it's, it's, it's a journey. It's not an overnight process. Um, but when it comes to cleansing and stuff like that, again, resulting or referring to more of like a nutritionist, um, looking at different, um, daily practices that you can implement, you know, making sure that you're getting your water in and making sure that you're getting proper water into your body, especially if you're drinking tap water. I don't recommend a Brita filter to be quite honest, because it only filters out a little bit of chlorine. Um, and it has a bunch of weird stuff in it and it's plastic and all that. So then you have all the microplastics in your water, but definitely anything more or better than just your tap water. Um, just cause our, our tap water is not very filtered. And, um, if you think about it, there are people that flush pharmaceuticals down the toilet. There are people that have just thrown whatever into the ocean and, or into the waters that we use in our day-to-day -day lives. And then we have to filter it. Well, our filtration process, if you've ever looked at the city water results, because they share that openly because they legally have to, you'll start to notice, oh, there's arsenic in our water. There's lead, there's this, there's that. And you're just like, okay, that's a lot. And then there was fluoride that was added to our water to help with I think it was decalcification or whatever it was. And then we learned that fluoride is actually not really good for the body. And so it's like, okay, just making little like mindful adjustments to the things that you're eating. You know, if you want vegetables, maybe don't go for a can vegetables and go for fresh, you know, cause with cans, then you get the micro metals stuck into it. And if you have cleaning utensils, you know, forks, pots, pans, stuff like that, that are metal, Okay, how long have you had them? Have you had them for a long time? Okay, so are they scratched up? Most likely they are because you're you're cooking and you've, you're using metal utensils. That's where you're also gonna get micrometals into your food. And the issue is that when you have these heavy metals get stuck in your body, it can actually start affecting your brain and how it works. So you might notice that your, your retention for information takes a little bit longer. You might notice that you get chronic migraines. You might notice that you start having back issues because the, of the, the uh, vagus nerve that goes along the back of your neck. You might notice a whole variety of different issues, um, including breathing issues um, as well, because the heavy metals does not discriminate where it wants to get stored in the body. The same thing goes with viruses. Viruses like to feed on high fat um, and high sugar uh, consumption type of thing. So you'll get that in like, starches, carbohydrates that are like rice and noodles and anything with preservatives added to it. And with high sugar levels that are not natural sugars, but artificial sugars and sweeteners, um, high fat things like meat, um, especially beef. And most of those viruses kind of hatch on the back of parasites. If you think about our dogs and animals, you know, um, they get dewormed every year you know, but as human beings, we don't go through the same process. Meanwhile, we sleep with them in bed and we eat similar foods that they do. And where they get these issues is not only from outside, but also from the meat that they consume. And if you think about the livestock and how they are being raised and uh, treated before you have it come into your body through consumption, most of it has antibiotics and um, a bunch of steroids that are added to it so that they can bulk up quicker. And then you're consuming that, including the aspect of fear. If they were living in a very stressful environment, what makes you think that you're not going to be ingesting their adrenaline and fear? And so then you wonder why a lot of people have anxiety issues and mental health problems and X, Y, Z. It's like, yeah, we're ingesting all of that, all of their dirty living situations and all of their fear. And then you wonder why most of the world is like chronically obese and like having health issues. It's like, look at the foods you're eating. What are they being sprayed with? How are, how are their living conditions?
So that's why cleansing and trying to take care of your body and eating cleaner and more consciously helps your body a lot, especially when it comes to trendy food items. Like if you look at anything that's soy-based, anything that has dairy, anything that is like lettuce and corn and all of those different things, they're probably mass produced at different farms that have been sprayed with pesticides so that bugs don't get at it. Mm -hmm. and so that it'll grow faster well we're we're ingesting all of that especially if anything's packaged and then the issue is that if you eliminate anything that's pre-packaged or pre-prepared now you have to get your vitamins and minerals from fresh foods and then you have to start regulating your own vitamins and minerals yourself because you're eating all fresh food it's not gonna be in your food anymore you have to make sure that you're getting the right foods in mm-hmm. which means not relying on the food pyramid anymore because all of that is to benefit the dairy industry. <laughs> oh, really? I don't think I've looked at a food. I don't even think I've looked at the updated one. Like, didn't they update it a couple of years ago or something? Yeah, but even that is still, it's still not great. Like, I mean, it's a lot to kind of unpack, but <laughs> I recommend doing your own research and trying to see what's in alignment for yourself. I just, I don't want to instill fear into people based on, you know, the type of food that they're eating and how it's going to affect them. But I can only speak to my own experience, especially now that I'm unraveling chronic illness and different possible conditions like Crohn's or irritable bowel disease. So it's like, naturally, my brain goes to, okay, emotional stuff. And then on top of that, how has my body been in a disharmony based on the foods that I'm eating? Because that doesn't help everything. It does not help anything to be quite honest if you're eating really bad foods or I don't want to say bad but uh troublemaking foods that's mm-hmm. that's the word I'll use but cleanses yeah there's like the medical medium is pretty widely known I follow a lot of his protocols I had a heavy metal detox smoothie which is like wild blueberries and like bananas and cilantro and barley wheatgrass and spirulina you know it's not like I'm taking like this little supplement thing and then I'm like pooping my pants on the toilet for years on end it's like no I'm eating like whole food organic produce type of things to help clear out stuff and and he's found that different um fruits and vegetables have different properties especially celery and thyme they both have a antihistamine type of effect especially with thyme make sure to have that at nighttime but it's like a the equivalent to like a natural Tylenol or Advil. It like helps with the inflammation and brings it down. Um, With celery juice, it helps um, regulate your blood sugars, um, or at least that's what he said. And um, it helps with uh, calming down the gut, which is where a lot of the issues with digestion happen is from the throat all the way down to your gut. So you can start there, that, or you can go as extreme as coffee enemas, where you take an enema and you put... Um, like room temp coffee up your butt to clear out any pathogens and viruses that are stuck in your body. Cause again, it gets stuck in your gut. Consult someone that you trust that is certified in these different fields that you can have someone overlooking it because otherwise you'll end up like me where I was deficient in vitamins and minerals and had to go to the hospital and have my blood taken. And then they were telling me that it's all in my head. Cause they don't specialize in nutrition. Is there a certain vitamins that you take every day? So right now I'm taking a variety. Like I have my own little mini holistic pharmacy, <laughs> like B12. I have iron. I have a multivitamin. Don't take iron and a multivitamin together. You're either going to take just the, all of the supplements by itself, or you're going to take the multivitamin. Um, I recommend a multivitamin to pretty much everyone um, as a good starting point. But don't get stuck there because a multivitamin does not have anywhere near what you need in a day. Um, I'm not going to tell anyone how much you need in a day because that is not my my field of expertise. <laughs> but um, yeah, we're not getting enough in a multivitamin for sure. But for myself, I take X amount of iron and then I take an X amount of vitamin C with the iron so that can get the absorption properties and then with magnesium and calcium you have to take them together so you can absorb the properties of either 
and make sure that you're getting enough electrolytes in. Funny enough, a lot of electrolytes you can get in fast foods because everything's preserved with electrolytes. <laughs> electrolytes are like salts, calcium, magnesium, potassium. What else? There's a bunch of other things. Yeah. So just but, go eat a bunch of McDonald's or like. No, 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 no. <laughs> but if you're feeling low in electrolytes, you can also get like a little packet of um, electrolytes. I take the NRC one. It's again, not nearly enough what you need in a day. Not going to say how much you need, but it's a good starting point to try and get those electrolytes. And especially if you're cutting out processed foods. Yeah. I like the one that I'm specifically taking because it's very simple. You can read the ingredients. It's like five ingredients. And I'm like, okay, I can live with that. Those are the best kind of products. Yeah. The ones that you look at the and ingredients. And it tastes so good. And, and I'm like, like, I can pronounce all of these words. And like, there are five of them. Beet juice. It's like this and this, like raspberry juice and this. And I'm like, okay, I can read that. It doesn't say like xylophone on it. And I'm going to be yeah, like, oh. exactly. <laughs> Yeah, like the, the list of ingredients is like 20 ingredients and you can only list like two or three of them and the rest you're like, well, I hope that is okay that I'm putting that in my body. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, fingers crossed. Yeah, we'll see what happens. <laughs> All right, thanks for joining me, Jess. Tell people where they can find you. Okay, <laughs> well, I just started my own podcast. It's the Self-Healing Podcast with Jesse, And I also have um an instagram page where i post daily different things about inner child work the ego attachment styles self-healing tools spirituality i basically it's like an a free-for-all on there because i just follow my creative inspiration um but you can follow me at self-healing with jesse j-e-s-s-i yeah outside of that that's basically the two places you can find me is on instagram or on my podcast for now i'm working on creating a membership portal for people to do the self-healing stuff. And then once a month, they get to join a group call where we do like little full moon circles or inner child healing type of stuff. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please like, comment, share, and subscribe on whatever platform you listen to your podcast on.